0: You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed.
1: In the name of Allah, the Gracious, the Merciful, good afternoon, peace be upon you, welcome to another episode of The Drive Time Show here on The Voice of Islam. Today, with myself, Razayn Kiyoum, over the next two hours, we are going to be with you speaking about Muslim Britain proudly patriotic in the first half of the program and then the second program, we're uh, in the second part of the show. We're going to talk about freedom of speech. We're going to talk about blasphemy. We're going to talk about freedom of religion, expression, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and how the world is coping with that in today's day and age. So, as always, zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call if you want to have your say. If you want to get in contact with us through Instagram, through Twitter, through what else do we have? facebook linkedin email um whatever you like then you can search for voice of islam radio on all of these social media platforms and we will be there now on instagram and on instagram story we are asking you about today's first topic is it harder to integrate into the west if you are a muslim yes or no but of course if you want to have anything else apart from that then you can send us a comment. Brother Kiyum, you've been a Muslim in this western part of the world for quite some time now. <clears throat> I don't want to start off with an age debate. Oh, go for it. With the white beard and... what's wrong? <laughs> you see, I, I don't have a problem. Peace be on you. Like you. <laughs>
0: like so. I don't have a problem with the age debate. Oh, of course not. Because I think your generation...
1: Oh, come on, we're not that far apart, okay? Okay. That's like what? 15, what, what? F- Fifteen years. 15 years. You're what? Yeah. You're in mid-30s, aren't you? Mid-30s, thir- yeah. late-30s. Okay, I mean, so it's twelve, thirteen 12,
0: 13 years between me and you. No, that's a bit, that's <laughs> not enough. <laughs> that you feel, suddenly you feel <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly, oh, look. <laughs> yeah, you know, you could wipe the sweat off the brow.
2: <laughs> really? Am I that older? Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I, I think um, from a from younger generation, from my point of view, um, being born and bred in this country um and looking at how islam and being muslim um i i tend to feel there is a, there is a, we are on a we were on an upward um um climb and then suddenly something happened 911 everybody talks about it mm. then we started going on a downward trend then we were up again mm. um i think we're still on the up um but of course, there is uh, those fringes um, of uh, of um, of anti-Islamic uh, uh, narrative yeah. which is still out <coughs> there. The difference is in the olden days, it was um, it was in your face. Now it's all uh, hidden. Um, um, I think it's uh, <coughs> anti-Islam is uh, is something which has changed um, ranks as well in that sense, where mm. where it was you know <coughs> um, it was on the local level. Mm. Um, which was being filtered down from top down but the action and the 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 true um, anti-Islamic behavior Mm. was on the street was from your local Joe blogs Mm. but now it's okay to do it in mainstream media Mm. it's absolutely fine it's freedom of speech it is um, um, you know um, and and it and sometimes it's hidden Um, it's in your face but it's hidden if you know what I mean it's Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's the way it's look at the terrorism. Bit, you yeah. know, when when it's uh, when, when it's a, um, a mis- <coughs> mis- misguided individual who uses who misuses and abuses the name of Islam and creates havoc and and um, and, uh, and you know, terrorist attack happens. Suddenly, it's a, it's a terrorist attack. Yet, when it's an individual who mm-hmm. is of anything but Muslim um, background. It's a lone wolf. Mm. It's mental health issues, and again, we joke about it. And in fact, you know, um, Daniel said it once, um, where he said, you know, Muslims don't have mental health problems, because mm. um, from the narrative that gets thrown out there from the from the multi, from the mainstream media, social media, it's um, if it's a Muslim, it's terrorist attack. Um, in in uh, in a state of war, Muslim is is killed, whereas when a Muslim does something, they are the victim is murdered. Mm. It's it's those subtle tones um, which make a huge difference. And I think Ukraine war was your perfect example when people talked of refugees. Yeah, you know, they're not blonde. They're not blue eyed. They're not civilized They're These refugees are from civilized nations because it's the first world and developed world and where previously, for the past two decades, Muslims were referred to. Uh, and again, you know, um, the, the the infamous um, poster of Faraj, hmm. um with all those Muslim immigrants. And um, nobody cares about where they came from and why they were in that position. No. But uh, the fact that uh, it's a brown face and and again, uh, you know, it's uh, um, the people who have been attacking Islam are now confused as well, because now they've got to realize, well, um, A brown face with a beard is not necessarily a Muslim. Mm. Uh, One thing is sinking in: that Muslim is Islam is universal. You are of all colors, colors. creeds,
1: and cultures. So Muslims have always had maybe uh, a complicated relationship with Britain, from having to deal with Islamophobia, as we just heard, to not being treated as equal citizens. And this can be shown by many statistics. In fact, a 2022 poll from this year done by hyphen Savanta comrades found that a whopping 69% of UK Muslims have experienced some sort of Islamophobia in the workplace. So simply having a Muslim name, maybe looking like one, uh, means you're less likely, to, less, less likely to get a job, find a house, or even get higher insurance. We're all very used, maybe, to hearing the negative narrative surrounding Britain and Muslims. And whilst that still stands, there's also the narrative of hope and optimism. It's not a maybe. It's a de- it's a de- it's definite.
0: We it, you know, as much as I can sit here and blame hmm. social media, mainstream media, government, non-government, political parties, whatnot, Muslims are to blame us too. Yeah, because they they think oh, up. Yeah, it, it, we've gotten used to it. Let's just let it be. We'll, we'll, and the we'll, fact that we let it be is a problem.
1: We'll get to that. Good point. Now, in Islam, loving your country is given so much importance that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that love for one's country is part of your faith, uh, something that you've probably heard here on the Drive Time Show many, many times. The Amity Muslim community very strongly stands for that. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we're all too familiar with the struggles and challenges that British Muslims face, but that's only one side of the story. There's a new poll, actually, again, that found that whilst Muslim people struggle with Islamophobia and institutional racism, they're also overcoming the odds and beating the stereotypes created by the mainstream media. For instance, in the poll, 53% of the Muslim people said that they have noticed an improved acceptance of Muslim people here in the UK. Then you have another one in which it found that 93% of Muslims felt a sense of belonging in Britain. And what was really interesting was that more people are feeling proud to be British than the national average. Before we go to our next first guest for today, I have to say when the first time I came to the UK was at the annual convention. And this is we're we're looking at, pff, I don't know, in the early, late 90s, 98, 99, maybe 2000. And I found it very, very interesting that while I was talking to the Amity the, 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 the youth, people who were attending the annual convention, which was held in, in, in Farnham at that time, they were proudly British, very much so, which I was not familiar with coming from, let's say, Germany or you know, uh, from, from, from Europe, uh, you know, having friends in, in different communities in, in, in Belgium, Holland, and in, in, in France. Over there, it wasn't as strong as it was here. So that struck me when I, when I came for the first time. I'm like, whoa, these guys are very, very proud British. Because it's a generational thing. I
0: think maybe so. Because you experienced probably second or third
1: generation, Germany, and uh, probably yeah. first generation. Yeah, yeah. That's that's probably what it is. Our first guest for today is a student from London who is involved in the Labour Party. Gibran Raja is with us on the line. Assalamu alaikum, and welcome to the Draft Time Show, Brother Gibran.
3: Welcome, Shlom. Can you hear me?
1: Yes, we can hear you loud and clear. Thank you very much, first of all, for joining us today. Welcome to the Drive Time Show. Now, Jabran, it's been found that young Muslims face huge social mobility issues and, and they're being held back from reaching their full potential. You being involved in the Labour Party growing up here in, in, in the UK, what has your experience been going through You know, the education system? Well, for me
3: personally, I, I'm... I've been lucky enough to grow up in an environment and go to school, which was uh, provided me with with a a good education. Uh, But I think you make a a valid point. Um, There is still, regardless of the level of education, there's a sort of discrimination, even if it's not uh, very apparent. There's a sort of um, lack of knowledge that people have about Muslims and and Islam. And uh, sometimes people in my my own school would uh, discuss uh, these matters with me. Um, and so I think that um, there are two sort of type, main types of discrimination Muslims might face in in, uh, in, uh, growing up in the education system. I think the first is, as I mentioned the, the discrimination they might face because of people's lack of knowledge about Muslims mm. and, and Islam and another level is obviously the economic level um, because the majority of Muslims are either immigrants or you know, their parents or grandparents might be immigrants and therefore have been as established in uh, British society, um, and might face social mobility issues owing to lack of um, a lack of sort of contacts and resources.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And now, as I mentioned, you are involved in the Labour Party uh, as a student. What what inspired you to get involved into politics?
3: I've well, I've been involved in politics for actually. For since i was uh, quite young I guess, uh, something has triggered my my interest once when i was uh, watching an elect- following you know, one of the general elections and mm-hmm. uh, i sort of followed the main parties and, and debates and things and since then i have just sort of had a had a keen interest in it but really i think when um i think when corbyn was leader of the labor party uh, i uh, i joined because i was quite fond of his ideas of social justice and mm-hmm. uh, tolerance towards other people um, uh, I hadn't really seen sort of, politicians before that, or heard of politicians before that. who so we were willing to challenge the, the key narratives that were prevalent in, in British politics at the time. Uh, and since then, my views have evolved as well. But I think I, I still um, have the same passion for um, uh, social justice and, and fairness um, being needed in society, and obviously. I've been at university as well. Um, I've been involved in student politics through through the Labour Society and and trying to uh, raise raise awareness about these issues. D-
0: Gibran, you, um, <coughs> brother brother Raza was asking me earlier what's uh, if, if if what's my perspective on the situation um, of Muslims um, <coughs> considering born and bred Londoner, and and I and I think there's been peaks and troughs. What's your take on how um, the situation is for Muslims, um, and has things improved?
3: Uh, I would say, if, if you're looking at the short term, uh, and they have improved somewhat. Uh, I think a key reason for that is that in the early sort of 2010s, you had um, quite a lot of terrorist attacks happening from so-called Islamic State. And that sort of died down um, after they've kind of collapsed. Uh, and also just a general, I was, I was looking recently actually, uh, Paul was suggesting that immigration has become less of a sort of negative issue in Britain. I think the issue of Muslims and immigration is sort of linked as well, um, and that's sort of gone down, I guess, after Brexit, people are valuing immigration.
0: Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> what, what's your take on um, on, on the way Politics itself is being looked upon at the moment by by the masses. I mean, from as a Muslim, I, I look around. I mean, I know you're maybe it's an unfair question, but I know you're a, you're, you're a member of the Labour Party. But across the board, there, there, there seems to be um, there seems to be this narrative which is accepted across the board in all parties, and and Muslims themselves have kind of accepted something. Um, Raza was talking about earlier as well. That uh, when pe- when do people do make comments, or when people are as what what's the word they use subconscious or uh, subconscious bias or unconscious bias mm. and whatnot? It, it, do you think it's a it's it's uh, the 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 playing field of anti-Islamism is the same across the board?
1: Gibran, can you hear me? Oh. We just lost Gibran. We've lost Gibran. I do apologize for that. I, didn't I was talking. What's your take well, on that, Rosa?
0: Do, do you think? Uh, do you think the state of politics across the board is the fact that it's it's okay? Muslim bashing is okay. And 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 again, I say that with inverted commas, Muslim bashing. That I'm not saying it's it's you know as I said it's 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 hidden. Yeah. It's it's camouflaged. It's um you know it's um. I I find some of the statistics you mentioned especially the 93% of Muslims feeling sense of belonging in Britain I mean I I I agree with that I am just surprised at the 93% I
1: think it's it has changed um, it's it's very subtle now, mm. as you say, um, and and it's not as 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 common and as upfront as it used to be, even a couple of years ago. Mm. As, as I said, for me coming 2010 ish around uh, into this country. And, and, and looking at the newspaper, the articles, and, and even on social media, now it has moved to social media, mm. right? And that's not so much in in, uh, in the forefront and it's not up there. When you look at the mainstream media, maybe it's not as as rampant and as obvious as it, u- as it used to be, um, but to say that it has completely disappeared, I think that would be not correct. Let me ask you, you mentioned social
0: media. My personal take is that social media has made it worse. Um, social media has allowed <coughs> people to say things and get away, mm. um, because I mean, so the, the problem with social media is especially things like TikTok. Yeah, they're like for well, thirty seconds, or what? I, I mean, I don't Something know. Something like seconds, yes. So, yeah, and uh, they never really give a true picture. They, they. Oh no. G- and 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 I think platforms like social media are being used more and more to to throw a narrative out and I I'm probably I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with me that um, from both sides of the spectrum the anti and the and and the pro um, or you know the extreme on both sides mm. it, it's it's being used to groom um, the mindset
1: you have a very very limited time span to attract your yep, audience that's right that's first of all so if you were to you know, explain everything in full, then you would lose everyone after 30 seconds. Yep. So in order to do that, what do you do? You have catchphrases, you have the main headlines, and you try to package it in a way that people do stay tuned. But the problem here is, if you look at the comment section, that's where the real debates happen. So mm-hmm. you, you name t- TikTok, you have Twitter, you have uh, Instagram this is where everything is happening and yes this observation Reddit. yeah this observation i have made very very clearly and, and it's 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 shocking it's alarming to me that based on because of the an- anonymity that you have you have i think the word keyboard warrior was never as relevant as it would be today according to my observation no no i agree with you i agree with you and it's 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 very blunt it's very obvious. It's very blunt. And I had the chance to, to talk to someone, to speak to someone, when we went to that uh, Freedom of Religious Bel- Religion or Belief conference, about what can be done. And there's not much that you can do.
0: We've got Gibran back with us. Uh, good to have you back, Gibran, um, before we got cut off. Um, <clears throat> my question was um, anti-Islamic feelings. Um, we're talking that they're all very camouflaged and, and they're, they're very um, um, hidden between the lines. It seems to be it's okay across the board on the political spectrum, irrespective of which party you come from, that it's okay to 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 you know to do that. Would you agree with that, or do, or do you think uh, um, I'm I'm going down the wrong path here? Uh,
3: no, I think uh, you have a you have a point. Um, although I would say that it's anti Islamic sentiments is more concentrated in, in some parties more than others. But well, I think even in, in the Labour Party there was recently a report that there were individuals who were who had these beliefs and also propagated them. Uh so I think I think you're right, but um the justifications are, are obviously different um for, for Conservatives, you know, there might be a more sort of right-wing anti-immigration
0: <laughs> But you would say that because you represent the Labour Party <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
3: But, sort, okay sort. So, you know,
0: so let's move on from there So, w- f- my question is what do you think should be done to help the Muslim community in the UK? And I personally don't like that question. Do we need help?
3: Yeah I, I, really, I don't really like the question either um, I think if anything, maybe on an educational level, you could have more, more teachings about Islam in their religion, religious education. Um, so I feel like it's quite concentrated towards Christianity at the moment. Hmm. Um, but otherwise, I don't think anything related to Muslims specifically, but maybe immigration groups in general um, would be a better target.
0: Should, should the question not be, um, what can the Muslims do to improve uh, the British community? Uh, British community is known for, you know, the, the cultures that, uh, or, or as the British culture we call it, it's, it, uh, you know, most of the, <clears throat> most of the attributes and characteristics of the British culture come from different colonies from around the world and which were developed over the t- period when the empire was great. And, and then when, you know, from, from, from what it was and from what it is great Britain, Great Britain today, um, the cultures are representative of all the, the, the countries that, uh, Um, I suppose are in the Commonwealth now. So Isn't it isn't the question should be what is it that we can do to help and to give you an example? I'm saying we always talk of Black History Month Why can't we talk about uh, the education system covering the Islamic Renaissance? um, the the, uh, within the history in in a correct manner
3: Yeah, I think um that, that, that would definitely be a good idea considering uh, Islam has become more relevant in, in modern political discourse and therefore having a better grounding on where Islam came from would be uh, necessary in education. But I think uh, the important question about what themselves can be also uh, valid um, trying to educate on, on an individual level other people I think when people are more acquainted with Muslims, then it's sort of Islamophobia is less uh, frequent as well, whereas, I mean, that's generally, generally for big free people who have less acquaintance with people uh, tend to be more bigoted towards them. So I think that's, uh, that's the key thing, trying to make uh, friendships and connections with people. And, you know, obviously, if you don't, if you don't know the language already, then trying to, to learn that as well.
1: Zubran Raja thank you very much for your time jazakallah for joining us today um on the draft time show and for sharing your opinions with us Zubran is a treasurer at the King's College and a youth officer for the Labour Party thank you very much once again brother for having assalamualaikum zero two zero eight <coughs> six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call is it harder to integrate into the west if you are a muslim that is the question that we're asking you on instagram if i can say um <coughs> I I I personally I think I would be part of the 93%. Which 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 um not a sense of belonging here in in Britain specifically but I've never this question was asked to me many many times um by 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 our own as well as you know people from outside But I don't recall any incident in my life, thank God, by the grace of God, where I would say that I have been discriminated based on my looks, based on my religion, based on my belief, based on what I had to say. Maybe, well, at least not in a way that was very obvious to me Mm. or I noticed I didn't. Which is, you uh, see, to me that
0: 93% of Muslims felt a sense of belonging in Britain. <coughs> it, you know, I, I take that with a pinch of salt. Hmm. I take that with a pinch of salt. I think um, uh, when, when we do, when we talk of polls and research and yeah. studies. Of course, it's a, yeah. It subject, depends on who you've questioned. Yeah. And, but, you know, th- the fact that <coughs> as a Muslim, it is, it is part and parcel of our religion. It is part and, part and parcel of our faith. And that we must be loyal. We are. We are taught. We are commanded by God Almighty to be faithful to the country that we we live in, and we and and the nation we belong to. So, the fact that there's ninety three percent, I want to ask, the, where the other seven percent Muslims are? What are they? What are they doing? Why aren't they? You know, you need to you need to be listening to Voice of Islam. Oh two oh eight six seven eight seven eight seven eight. Give us a call <laughs> and tell us why you are not in that survey. But it's. It's how you look at it. Again, um, something we discussed last time we talked of this topic. And I said, "Are you a British Muslim, or are you a Muslim British?" British, yeah. and to me that to, and it, that to such some people would would be, well, it's the same thing. It's not. Hmm. Again, it depends on how you want yourself to be portrayed. Hmm. Um, and I think when people say I'm British Muslim, um, the the uh, the main the, the most of the population will find that acceptable. They think yeah, it's good But if I was to say I am Muslim British That would be less accepted by British people themselves or the indigenous population Because I'm putting the word Muslim before being British.
1: Maybe we should try this
0: I think it's I think it's ask I think ask that question I, I think we should ask that question we'll because listen. across the pond in America it is your 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 faith your your a lot of people describe th- themselves as their faith first and their nationality yeah, second. Yeah, american yeah. That's right, Christian-Americans. Yet, be- because they do, um, and whether we like it or not, um, and a lot of people may accept it or not, but America is, uh, especially, uh, everybody knows, um, <clears throat> the southern part of the United States, faith is more important than anything else. Yeah,
1: very, very strong. Um,
0: and, uh, you know, <clears throat> I think within Muslims, um, it's again. It could, somebody could say, "Look, I'm being pedantic," um, but I do think that uh, the term "British Muslim" and the Muslim and being a Muslim Brit, they're two different things. They mean different things, um, and uh, I think the level of acceptance would be di- would differ um, if, if 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 how if one was to explain themselves in these manners.
1: On the topic of loyalty, His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masood, the current Caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community and the fifth successor to the Promised Messiah, Hazrat (laughs) Mirza Ghulam, said that as citizens of any country, we Ahmadi Muslims will always show absolute love and loyalty to the state. (coughs) Every Ahmadi Muslim has a desire for his chosen country to excel and should always endeavor towards this objective. Whenever a country requires its citizens to make sacrifices, the Amelia Muslim community will always be ready to bear such sacrifices for the sake of the nation. And he also said, I do apologize, it is essential for a citizen of any country to establish a relationship of genuine love, loyalty and faithfulness to their nation. So it doesn't matter where you are born, if you gain citizenship later in life or not, to be loyal and to be faithful to the country that has given you refuge, that has given you education, that has given you all the the freedoms and the rights that we enjoy, that is an integral part of Islam. And if you look across the globe, I think as far as the Muslim community is concerned, that's something that we can certainly speak about. This is this has never been an issue. You never had this identity crisis. Again, <laughs> maybe that's my perspe- uh, perception. Where I found any 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 youth member of the community that was struggling with do I belong do I like what am I at odds with this society that I live in is my religion at odds with this society can I live both lives um, or do I have to choose one yes you have a struggle within your life at a certain point in, 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 in time based on the things that are happening you're growing up and all of these things But I think when when you come out of that um, phase, it's it's quite clear that you can, and I mean, we've been doing it to live both.
0: I agree with you, but then I also don't agree with you. I think yeah. Look, I I do. I I think there's an element of rose-tinted glasses here when you when you when you say that. But I from 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 looking growing up and and going through different generations and and like with, even with children now um when when one interacts with with uh, my own children and their friends culture i.e your origins hmm. being the proud british the culture yeah so you're already grappling with two cultures and then faith i yes w- within within those three pathways you might have understand, understanding of all of these three things in, as individual basis.
2: Hmm.
0: But when, as an individual or as youth or young people or even when new people are having to come into the country there is a challenge that needs to be had there because that's where confusion lies because there is a clash. There, there is a clash and there is a choice that needs to be made. And this is what it goes back to if I am a British Muslim Hmm. then I will adapt the Britishness and I will say yeah okay well faith comes later Hmm. or faith is I, I I will adapt to my faith whereas if I have true understanding of Islam then I will be a Muslim because when I'm a Muslim then irrespective of what cultures come in front of me my faith will teach me that I am able to adapt, yeah. the other faith, the other cultures. Hmm. So, so the the precedence is given on the faith of where you come from, uh, rather than the nation.
1: D- does that make sense? Yeah, I think so, because of the univers- universality of 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 that religion. That's right. But I think uh, this this is probably something which is very clear from from from. It's clear to it us. Should, should be. It's clear to us. It's clear yeah. to us. But I think what I was talking about before that. Once you come out of that phase, this this is what you learn in that phase. Mm. I mean, specifically now that you have more young imams out there who are you know integrated into the society, who grew up here, who who are born here, and then there who, who in
0: fact come from different cultures. We've got exactly.
1: You know, if one was to look at
0: Drive Time <coughs> itself. Yeah. We have we have uh, Imam Safir, a Scandinavian. We head head have of yourself, head of the show. Head of the drive time. Yes, yeah. we've got yourself who have got Canadian and and uh, and German background you're British now, but we have well, people from British all walks now. of life yeah. I do
1: live in britain I'm
0: <laughs> if you live here you, you, your your children your <laughs> children deba- benefit from the education, the fantastic British be- <laughs> education <laughs> the international education system instead of the localized yeah, german uh, education system. <laughs> But that's another debate. That's a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a world person. I'm a world, <laughs> world person. But, but then the worldliness is what is yeah. the beauty of Islam being universal, yeah. isn't it?
1: I, and I think that, that's, as I said, this is when you come out of that phase, this is where you should be standing. But, to, but that this is should the problem be with your understanding.
0: People don't come out of that phase. And because the, the faith, well, look at it. Why would they come out of that phase? You explain to me. Why would somebody come out of their face?
1: I am British, because, British. No, no, because no. Because no, no, that's no. what 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 I'm saying is, this confusion they might have. They they do have, they do I, have. I'm I'm so sure, sure of that that they do have that confusion yep. at one point in their life. But then look, age and education plays a big role in this in, in, in this. Mm. When we to look at the system of the of the community, for example, You have early education where you learn about the basics of religion. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. the point is that when you turn 15 and when you go into the youth organization, that you have some sort of a basic understanding of what what your religion requires of you, what your religion stands for, and specifically what the community aims at Looking at you, what, what are you supposed to be? A good citizen, a good Muslim, a good this, a good that and everything. So all of that education, if you apply that, you come out of that at the end of the day thinking, well, I, I'm, there is no issue. Mm. I am a Muslim at all <coughs> times. And then I am whatever country you belong to. And there is no confusion in that. Ideally, that's how it's supposed to be. Yes, of course, you will have certain factors that decide how much of that information gets absorbed by that person. If you have an influence, influential uh, friend circle, if you are away from the community, if you don't have the basic understanding of what Islam and, and the community actually stands for, then you will be inclined to be confused mm. and then choose a side. No, but this is the this, challenge for the youth. This is the, challenge for,
0: the, this is the yes. challenge for when we talked about social media.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, one of the advantages, and there was an advantage in our days when we didn't have in-your-face social media, is we didn't have different voices being thrown and opinions being yeah. thrown at us at every second of the day. That is true. Whereas today, those pressures of uh, on the younger generation, or not even the younger generation, any people all um um ages because social media is not just for the youth it's for people of all ages suddenly there's this multitude of opinions that are being thrown at you and Mm -hmm. as you rightly said they are uh, headliners there's no substance Mm. and the difference and and I'm, i'm sure a lot of youth will call in please do and disagree with me in our days when we were taught even in school we were told yes headline but read the substance mm-hmm. so the newspaper headline is followed by an article yeah, read yeah, the yeah. article today the pace of news is so too fast, quick yeah, yeah. people just don't listen to the people don't read the, the 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 article or the substance of a headline
1: all right now we're going to continue with this but we are talking about the topic actually today is 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 British Muslims being patriotic and also in order to do that you have to look at the, the contributions that Muslims have had uh, have given to, to to the development of this country and also to the country that we are in at the moment not only are these British Muslims proud to be Muslims, Muslim British but We'll, we'll stick to British Muslims for now. But they've also contributed <laughs> <You can. laughs> a lot to, to, to the British society. You go back, uh, I think this is from 2013, there was a Post article uh, which found that British Muslims give more to charity per capita than any of the other religious groups. Apart from that, during the month of Ramadan, Muslims are known to give more generously. So it is estimated that British Muslims give nearly £130 million pounds to charity in Ramadan alone, just in the month of Ramadan. So each year, Muslims all around the world, they give zakat as well, which is 2.5% of one's wealth, which sits there and doesn't do anything that must be given to the poor and those in need. And then you go back three years ago, 2019, there was a study as well conducted by the World Bank and the Islamic Research and Training Institute of the Islamic Development Bank, which found that the global zakat funds reached an estimated 550 to $600 billion per year. And lastly, last year there was a report on the rising to the challenge of communities response to COVID-19, which found that during the pandemic Muslims made huge contributions. We've gone out there Mm -hmm. Um, and and, uh, we're not just limiting it to the the Muslim groups, uh, but the majority of them, if you think about it, again, that's a report that we have in front of us. it was that sense of belonging, it was that sense that we have to give back and, and, and for us it's not just during the pandemic. Every year at the begin this is how we start the year. And the reason being why you get up at four o'clock or five o'clock in the morning and you clean the streets in front of you or, you know, the local towns and cities, not just here in the UK but across the globe, is because we 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 are citizens. We are part of this world, we are part of this society and you want to give back. Now we've got We got another guest with us on the line to join us in this uh, discussion. We have a uh, politician, a former mayor of Runnymede and a recipient of the British Citizenship Award 2022. Brother Iftikhar Chaudhry is with us on the line. Assalamu alaikum, good afternoon and welcome to the Draft Time Show
4: as look alaikum my brother it's been uh, it's an honor being on the show with it's you uh, you know
0: it's uh, it's it's actually um a disservice to call him a politician he's an athlete as well athlete. a lot of people don't know this <laughs> he's an athlete <laughs> he's in his olden days yeah mm-hmm. he, he's he's uh, was it uh, if if the car was it uh, which medal did you get for which um,
4: I, I got a bronze medal in the uh, World Championships in Taekwondo. This is a what? Way, way see, back in
0: people don't know that. <laughs> yes, but you see, I'm an old boy, so I, it's it's important <laughs> that these things get told. So, uh, he's an athlete. Uh, he, he served in the Met. He was a former yes. policeman. Ooh. yes, and he's, he's a doctor, successful yes, he's, he's a successful businessman, and he serves. He served as a mayor. And he is an active member of the Conservative Party. So, so I am going th- th- to sit
1: back here and, and, and relax and and just take this interview. No, but you know,
0: i I kinda wanna we're <laughs> talking about the service of yeah. b- of Muslims to the yes, British society. Of course. Well, I, I've just given you an idea of this one man, the service he has provided as a proud Brit. Mm. He has he has he has served on an international stage in the sporting field and he has done it in a business. He's done it in, in from the political point of view, so it's it's that's why I kind of wanted to kind of give a proper introduction to her. Sure, sure, That that it. I'm it, very uh,
4: very humbled by your wonderful words. Sir. Well, wonderful it's it's it, it,
0: you. it you represent the show we are doing today, brother.
4: And dzakallah, sir, jazakallah Really appreciate
0: it. There you go, Raza. Go for it. It's all yours. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've done my <laughs> bit. I'm going home. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, right. Yeah. Brother Fikhar, if you, for the benefit of our listeners, um, I want to ask you about, um, you know, the work that you do within the community. Some of the stuff uh, Brother Kume has highlighted, um, but um, I want to ask you as well.
4: Um, yeah, it, during COVID, uh, it was quite an emotional time for me. My uh, brother, um, he's younger than me, uh, he got COVID and, yeah, and um, yeah. uh, you know, and... Uh, I mean, he almost passed away. It yeah. was a horrible situation. He was on a ventilator for three or four uh, weeks. It was a horrible time. We thought we were going to lose him. Um, so what I, what I want, I, I just thought to myself, I need to do something. I need to be going out there. So initially, I was uh, luckily um, head of community services for Runnymede. So what we did is we made the first food banks in Surrey. So we had a warehouse that hadn't gone on rent. It was council-owned. So we asked all uh, sort of businesses and individuals and volunteers to fill it up with food. Um, uh, alhamdulillah, it was actually our, our own mosques that gave the first uh, uh, parcels of food which I went to collect. So, uh, you know, this was highlighted in uh, a lot of the events that I did and council meetings and stuff, that it was our own mosques that had actually given the initial uh, food. So. We, we we got that, we had the food bank ready, we uh, distributed the food amongst uh, vulnerable people. Um, so that, that was a really you know nice and very satisfying thing to do. Um, the other one that was slight, on slightly bigger scale was uh, the COVID Forest of Memories. There's a gentleman called Salman Nasser, he was uh, uh, the founder of this. Uh, so I became Goodwill Ambassador. So what we were doing is um, trying to plant a tree for every person who passed away from COVID. Mm. Um, uh, and we were urgently looking for land, so we partnered up with the National Trust. We opened the first one where I was mayor and a councillor in Runnymede. Um, uh, that was, uh, you know, just last year. And uh, to date, I think we've done uh, five to 10,000 trees, and uh, they're growing every single day. Um, we also have rights to an app, so if you put your uh, phone n- next to the tree that's been planted, it gives you a full history of the person who oh. we're honouring. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, it's all about community service. You know, what really drives me is uh, uh, to help the community, whether it's uh, litter picking, whether it's doing our charity Walks for Peace, or whether it's been, you know, like with the, you know, Brother kayum knows this. The, this is what we've been taught since we were young, mm. yep. to go out there and help humanity. And I've always seen uh, Cahyum as well. You know, we've, we've done this together when growing up. So it's in it's in the blood and it's something so satisfying to go out there and do for society and do for the country that's given you so much. Definitely. But brother, Thigar, if I may ask a question
0: with all the of services course. that you've you've you know, you've spoken about. Yeah. Would you say it's an unfair question to say or is it even relevant that we are talking about the contribution of Muslims to Britain? Is that relevant? Or, sh- sh- or if it is,
4: should it be relevant? Uh, I mean, the thing is this is uh, the Muslims have given a lot of contribution. A- anything, any uh, specific uh, religion uh, whose individuals give uh, uh, so much to communities should be highlighted. Hmm. It should be highlighted, but in the bigger picture, You're right about one thing. Whoever it is, whoever, you know, people around me, they could be Muslims, Christians, Hindus, Sikhs, you know, Buddhists. You know, it's a community effort. But if there is, obviously, there is a lot of Muslims that are doing good. And uh, there's a lot of people who are the unsung heroes. So it could be relevant. It's always good to celebrate. Uh, uh, you know, religions doing it. But in the big, uh, on the bigger picture, there's uh, there's a lot more to it, you know.
0: Now, while you say that there is a misconception out there because of other groups and, and, and schools of thoughts, the assistance that you're talking about and the community services that you're talking about are not for Muslims or by Muslims for Muslims, especially within the Muslim communities. So can you kind of quash that misconception that in fact... When Islam says go out there and serve, it's talking about serving humanity, irrespective of your faith, nationality, blah, blah, blah.
4: I I tell you, you know, this is uh, especially in stuff like when we do the charity Walks for Peace. Yes. And when we do this, you know, amongst our community, I just see a massive push towards this. And it's, it's, it's ongoing. It's ongoing. It's on, you know, it's 24 hours. Um, from what the work that Humanity First is doing, uh, you know, I'm I'm desperate to go to Ukraine, do my little bits as well. But I, you know, sometimes I just think to what my brothers and sisters are doing out there. It is, it's very impressive and very humbling. And you realize you're only a tiny piece of the puzzle mm. uh, because it's a very, very big uh, puzzle, you know um so i i'm you know every day when i see these things and it's a lot of it's on social media we're using social media very very skillfully to put the word round and to get others to join in with these things wonderful
1: um Brother Frau, you were elected as I mentioned uh, and we spoke about this as the mayor of Ranumet uh, borough council in 2017 um yes. you know specifically talking about today's topic in relation to that w- w- if i can ask you what 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 was your first hand experience in this role um specifically in relation to your religion did it matter um, was it did it ever come up
4: um it it was a big issue i'm afraid <laughs> i oh. mean there had never been um uh, a non-Christian mayor, and areas like Runnymede are very heavily Christian. <laughs> but I have to say, I have to say, it's all about. Uh, my father always used to say, he said, "Look, when you're going upwards, don't complain about things. Be better than the rest, and achieve uh, the best you can." So the thing is, what I did, I, you know, it was it was a difficult system to to fight in, but. Uh, the thing is alhamdulillah with a lot of prayers and a lot of advice from Hazur and a lot of advice from many many senior members the thing is it was um you know i carried on and uh, when being elected as the first non-christian ever it wasn't only the first muslim the first non-christian ever first ethnic minority person um it was a massively satisfying honor and what i had i had a big weight on my shoulders because i said now i'm here I want to prove that I can do something others have not been able to do. So we had the Charity Walk for Peace, which, up to even now, is uh, probably the biggest uh, mayoral event uh, in Surrey mm. uh, that uh, we've ever had. So it raised a million pounds. We had 4,500 people attend. You know, uh, a mayor could never organize anything mm. like this, and my brothers with the Charity Walk for Peace and Ansaruna. Um, I mean, it it was uh, for them to do. But when these things were happening, others were saying, if the hard, we can do this, I was saying, you know, I'm skeptical. This is on a big, big level. Mm. I've never seen this. But you know, I've realized when people are around you, they carry you. A person themselves uh, means very little. It's a very lonely place. Mm. But when you've got good people around you, when you've got a good religion with you, when you've got good uh, sort of, uh, you know, people that are helping you out, they carry you to do remarkable things.
1: Wonderful. Lastly, from my side, um, uh, many Muslims living in this country, we've uh, presented some of the stats and, and some of the research that we've come across. They still face a lot of hurdles in the job market, climbing up in society, some sort of um, uh, discrimination. What can be done to overcome this issue? Is it on the society? Is it education? Is it on the individual to to make that first step?
4: I mean, it's from area to area. You won't see these problems in London very much because London is very multicultural. Uh, When you get out of London, you come to areas like I was and stuff. It's much more difficult. The thing is, what I would say to people is just try and go through the barriers. Be better than the rest. Be better than the rest. You know, you, you have to work a little bit harder. Uh, but the thing is, I know we've got talent, talent will always show, you know, mm. um, so it, as long as you, you know, sometimes you have to battle it, sometimes you have to fight it. And uh, there are a lot of injustices. Uh, but the thing is, as long as you know you're doing the right thing, stick to it and keep on doing it.
0: You know, Brother the in, in your comment there, there was one thing you said, which kind of took me back 30, 40 odd years, when you said, do better than the other." But then that's what the ethnic minorities were taught that you will have to do. If you want to compete, you need to be
4: double better work. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And you know what? It's, It's not a bad thing because the thing is, it makes you when you get to the levels you want to be, you're actually people look back and say, wow, we didn't expect that. Mm. you know so it, it, it's one of those things we've always look our our fathers our grandfathers have had to work incredibly hard they had yeah. to work uh, um, you know harder than the indigenous population there's no secret about that yeah uh, but the thing is we just have to continue doing the same things
0: yeah i agree i agree i think that 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 works mindset um needs mm. needs to needs to, be, needs to be carried on um brother ftqar thank you so much as always uh, it's been a pleasure having you on and and talking to you after such a while uh, I'm sure we will have you back on again. Um, I wish you a fantastic uh, evening and a weekend ahead. May peace be with you, brother. I
4: really appreciate it. Sab. really appreciate it. And thank you very much for giving me this opportunity.
1: Thank you, brother. Assalamu alaikum. Okay. 02086877878. Um. I think the, the, this, this double effort and the, this hard work that our forefathers and you know, the, the generations before have put in, I think that's that's the reason why you have a, a a shift or a change of opinion in the larger society. It is, but from
0: people from the ethnic minorities. My fear, and I agree with Iftikhar, that it needs to be carried on. The reason he said that it needs to be carried on is because there might be that. Because look, you become so you you become so part and parcel of a culture of a society that you start thinking, oh, we are equal, we're on par with each other. Hmm. So we don't need to do what our parents or what our forefathers had done. We think, oh, they made the sacrifices for us, and now we're gonna be reaping the rewards of it. But one thing that, this is why when when Iftagar said, work double as hard, that mindset cannot change. That has to carry Hmm. on. That has to carry on, yeah. Um, because the challenges are, we we've discussed it throughout. We started with it. The challenges are still there, but they're hidden. They're camouflaged. Whatever words you want to use, that they're not in your face anymore. So, working hard um, is is uh, is something that uh, you you everybody is going to still need to carry on doing. Hmm. Because if one was to really sit down and look into the employment sector, the academic sector. That uh, that element
1: of that hidden racism, I promise you, is still there. It's not as rampant as before, yeah. but it's still there. So on that note, we asked the question, is it harder to integrate into the West if you are a Muslim? And we have a few replies on that. Um, one comment is that actually depends on the individual. Second is that, no, as long as you know yourself, you can explain anything to anyone with first-hand experience. Then you have another comment that says, if one looks at it superficially, yes, but if one thinks every aspect, (coughs) then the answer will be a no, and then you have another no, another no. So majority of them, the answers that we've received, Mm. it's not harder to integrate into the West if you are a Muslim. I I think it gives you an edge even. I agree with you. Personally. But, But again
0: that's the beauty of islam isn't it hmm. that again it goes back to we don't say it enough islam is a universal religion hmm. and universal is exactly what it says on the tin it means every part of the world can 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 kind of
1: adapt to it fit, but it's fit within it's, Islam. Yes, but it's also it hasn't it has a solution for every part of the world. That's right. So it doesn't matter which society you live in, if you are faced with with, with a predicament, if you are in a pickle, if you need an answer <coughs> to any p- a problem that you have, then you will find it in the religion of some. So stop breaking the studio, please. I'm not breaking the studio. Don't, don't stop. Stop breaking equipment it's, it's here. My walking, it's, my, it's my walking sleep. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, 52? <52. laughs>
0: Let's not go there. We are coming up, we're coming up
1: more than 13 years (laughs) between (laughs) us.
0: I'll let you have that one. All right,
1: now just because we're coming close to the end of this program, he's gonna let me have it, but we're gonna be back after the news at five. We have been talking about this topic in the first half of the program, looking at the different uh, contributions of muslims to britain uh... speaking to some wonderful guests but as always if you want to keep this conversation going on instagram we still ask you that question is that is it harder for someone to integrate into the Western society if you are a Muslim. Now, Brother Ifikha spoke about the Ahmadi Muslim community and the, the charity Walk for Peace. He mentioned this a few times. And I think from as far as Muslims are concerned, we can speak on behalf of the Ahamdiya Muslim community that there is no issue whatsoever. if If you are looking at charity... Where there, if you're looking at helping your neighbors, where there, if you're looking at uh, giving your 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 casa to the, the 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 community, then you have mosques around the country which are not just uh, a place of worship for us as members of the community, but they are open for the community to be used in uh, in any way they they need. If it is for exams, if it is for The local uh, community, it doesn't matter. And I think the Batafatu mosque complex is a perfect example of that. We're going to the five o'clock news uh, in in just a few seconds and then we'll be back after that. Don't go anywhere, stay with us.
0: you're listening to the voice of islam radio broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day friday afternoon welcome back to friday afternoon drive time you're listening to brother Raza and myself kayum and in the first hour we were talking what were we talking about we were talking about the contribution of muslims um to british society and uh, you know i thought we had uh, some some excellent guests who contributed um some some fantastic points as to what uh Muslims are doing and uh, you know we had uh, uh, an interesting question but um i i think we will come back to this um uh, another time during the during uh, in the in the later show um not not today but in other shows during the week when we will question whether there is a difference between um being a british muslim or being a muslim brit um so you know do stay tuned um, and uh, in the coming weeks or months that uh, something that uh, such a topic will pop up is head and we'll be discussing it. But for this hour, we're going to be talking about um, freedom. Freedom of thought, hmm. freedom of uh, action, freedom of, uh, we always hear the word speech, but um, freedom in, in all aspects of what individuals do, societies do, politicians do, um, and and you know the the fact that this narrative of freedom has become where w- people used to fight for it, but now it's become an excuse. Now it's incomplete because in the olden days, when people talked of freedom, the word responsibility, accountability was attached to the word freedom. There mm. were parameters, there were boundaries, there were outlines that people knew. That uh, that that they could uh, kind of explore freedom within a certain range, but in today's day and age, no lines, exactly. the the the, the parameters, the outline, the boundaries, seems to either get um, um, broader um, and or, or they seem to be disappearing. Um, but and and that is something that we're going to be talking about this 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 afternoon. That it is irresponsible to think that you are free to do what you want when you want and how you want without um, being responsible for your action or without being held accountable because freedom with no boundaries is anarchy.
1: (laughs) While you were talking, um, I saw a documentary the other day. Hmm. Uh, I'm 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 not going to mention the name of the documentary because that's going to open up a whole different box. But in that documentary, the the thing that I took away was um it was one question was asked throughout that documentary as the uh, one an hour hour and a half uh, and uh, it's an American who who made that uh, piece. And he goes to different People so you have uh, uh, college professors, you have uh, a- activists you have you know the average person, and then he goes to different cultures as well outside of, of of the of the United States to get an answer to that question very very basic question, but he's getting no proper answer hmm. what you are getting is a version of A a, a small group within society which is basically being imposed upon you. And if you oppose that view, you are the devil. Or Mm. you are, you know, how dare you ask that question? How dare you question this belief? So, and it made me think that this is a society, this is the world that we are living in where the the opinion and the, f- the it's it's being dictated by those people in in society that have the most influence that have the most the biggest backing. Maybe. Did did this documentary have anything to do with God? Uh, no, no, okay, it God. didn't have so, to so do. Any, it wasn't religiously like it wasn't related to oh, okay. religion. Oh, okay. But it's it's a very hot topic in today's uh, oh, okay. world. Okay. But I was I was just blown away. I couldn't believe that and look, good thing that you mentioned God. No, we are voice of Islam. Yeah yeah. <laughs> 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 I had to remind myself of that. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Um and, and 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 me as a as as a as a person of faith, not as a Muslim, but mm. a person of faith who has some sort of link with with, with the divine, or try to. I, I felt that the reason why this is happening and why nobody can come up with a proper answer to that question is because you have taken out God from the equation. Mm. And I think this is where you have the problem today, that you, when you take out this divine concept that... And, and, and if you go back in history, if you go back you know, to the scriptures from the Old Testament all the way up to, to the Holy Quran... You had an institution where, that told you and differentiated from differentiated right from wrong, mm. differentiated between what is moral and what is immoral, told you exactly what what is good and what is not good. Now that you've taken everything out and you think, and we think as a society that we don't need God in in this world, that we don't uh, have a necessity for religion, for faith, for the spiritual, for the divine to tell us uh, or, or to help us navigate in this day and age, that's where you can just have this, this, this freedom to go and do whatever you want to do. So you want to offend people? Go for it. Because nobody's telling you this is wrong. It's being done in the name of freedom. If you want to... Um, have your opinion imposed on other people? Then go for it. Nobody's telling you you're wrong hmm. because nobody has 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 the courage to tell you. No, wait—is it courage, or the system says, "Well, who are you to tell someone you're wrong?" Exactly. Yeah, that—that's what it is. So the system, the society, the people—who—who who gave you that right? Exactly.
0: But they, they don't realize they themselves are doing it themselves. Hmm. But is it right? Is it the Okay, how, do you, how does one say this? Is it the responsibility or whose responsibility is it hmm. to make sure that boundaries and parameters are kept intact? Because the problem today is freedom of speech, fantastic. The second you speak, not against it, the second you speak... Of the true, authentic definition of freedom,
1: hmm.
0: people are like, "Well, you, you're you're the you, you know you're you're the worst thing since sliced bread. Huh. You you are you are anti-freedom." Hmm. But when you ask the question, "Define when the when when does when does freedom end? Where where is where 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 are we starting from, and yeah. where
1: are we ending?" Define freedom. Yeah, the the simple things like like what is freedom? Yes, what is freedom? What is faith? What is what is these things? We ha- we are having an issue. We are having trouble defining these simple terms because it's again personal it's all opinion. All
0: over the place. It's something we spoke about a good few months ago. Freedom is being used as a tool at this moment in time against personal opinion. But when I say freedom, I don't mean in the in the, the responsible definition of freedom. The freedom without any bar- parameters is used as the tools to challenge ethics, values, and morals. Because it's ethics, morals, and values that create hmm. parameters and boundaries. And the only way to challenge this narrative is... Um, to to make look um, in, people might think it's it's a crazy uh, comparable when brexit happened we're not talking about brexit but mm. it was the, the definition was because brexit has happened it's okay to be racist yes mm-hmm. that was the narrative that kind of was being sold and the mainstream kind of gra- grabbed it and ran with it it's okay to be anarchist it's okay to question. Everyone, irrespective of how you might hurt them, because it is the individual's freedom which is more important than the society's freedom, than the than the freedom uh, or the the, the sensitivities the, the of a community. No, you are talking about the peace of the society. That's right. It's irrelevant. My my personal it's, person my, free, it's yeah. me myself and I. If I, um, if I feel. That I think I want to sit here and I want to say to you, Brother Razan, I think blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I want to curse you. I want to speak against you. The system that the people who believe in this narrative want to bring is that it should be okay for me to do that irrespective of how you might feel about it. But my fear is that we we spoke earlier about Muslims hmm. in British society. This freedom that we are talking about is applied to uh, the, the people cherry pick. Certain communities, certain group of people hmm. are targeted when we talk of freedom. They, they use this as a tool. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to, um, you know, it's okay for uh, Charlie Hebdo to talk of uh, Islam
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, in a in a derogatory way, but the second the same newspaper talks of the French president and the, and the editor of Charlie Hebdo's fired.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, where is that freedom gone? Yeah. It's okay to insult two and a half billion Muslims around the world um, by printing caricatures of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, but the second you Insult the wife of the president or the prime minister, and and or you make derogatory com- comments on a national basis, which might have offended a few thousand people. It's okay to fire the person who has done that. Where's the where's the where's the fairness in that? Where's the justice? And that is my fear um, of this this narrative that we go down. And and again, going back to what we were talking about earlier. My fear of the youth comparatively of um, when I can sit here and say age um, kind of gave me that grounding where the youth of today don't have that. Not Mm. that they don't want it. They've got too many, too many things are being thrown at them. So they they're never allowed to be grounded. The second they they feel
1: a sense of grounding, somebody comes and pushes them and say, well, why are you doing this? So with all of this, what we're, not, what we're saying is, um, specifically, let's, let's talk about freedom of expression, freedom yep. of speech, all of these things. We're not, in, in no way, form or shape is, is, is that limiting that this is something that you can do and this is something that you cannot do. No, I think it's, it's, it's common sense that because we live in a society that is made up of more than one person, we're yeah.
0: in competition with each other yeah,
1: but there's 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 more people in this world than just you and your nose yes right so i I do remember you know when when it comes to that definition of freedom or when mm. you spoke about what what does freedom mean, where does it stop? where does it finish? Yeah. where does it start um i I might have mentioned this before when when I was in germany in in high school, what they used to teach us when it was about social studies and we were learning about the constitution and et cetera et cetera. They spoke about the the you know the the constitution of Germany, the Grundgesetz, yeah. meaning the basic, basic law. The definition of that is that my freedom ends where the other person's freedom starts. Hmm. Meaning that if and if you I'm I'm going to carry this a little bit further. Something that His Holiness said when it comes to freedom of expression, freedom of speech, we've which we've seen in the past Decade, even more than that, since 9-11, which, which we mentioned in the first half of the program, does it mean that you can go about saying anything that you want? You can go on a rampage without anybody questioning you. Yes, nobody might question you, but it's not about you being questioned. It's about do you know what you're doing with your words? It's it's common sense. It's it's common courtesy. It's good morals. It's good upbringing. It's being a good and f- and and loyal part of a society that you don't want to create mischief, that but, you don't but, want but, to upset others. But this people. is what I just said. That this is, I mean, I agree with hundred percent what you're saying.
0: But this is what I'm saying that this notion or this this new definition of the the boundaryless freedom yeah. Yeah. is there to challenge ethics, morals, and values. Because if you believe in ethics, morals, see, and values, if you believe in that, then what you're doing is because ethics, morals, and values everything is done within a certain boundary. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I'm going to believe in ethics, morals, and values, then I can't have freedom because
1: you're restricting my freedom with your ethics, with your values, and with your morals. And you see, you, okay, let, let, let's, let's, uh, let's agree with that. Hmm. But if I'm saying this, that, that you can say whatever you want, hmm. but does that give you... That do you have to say everything that you want? No, of course not. But that's There's no line that, that is being drawn. It's just about
0: Do you, do you remember this uh, the Channel 4 news?
2: Hmm.
0: What's that Jordan Jordan Peterson? Jordan Peterson. Yes. He was being bombarded by this yes. female journalist and suddenly he threw a question back at her because she was saying, Well, what right have you got to have your opinion? And what Jordan Peterson was doing at that moment in time was creating a boundary hmm. in, in, you know, for what they were discussing. And she said, Well what right do you have? And he threw it back. He goes, "Well, what right do you have to put me in an uncomfortable position Mm, mm. because you don't agree with my opinion?" And Mm. on live TV, she had to admit, "Never thought of it."
1: Yeah,
0: and that's and that's the thing. What you just said, people don't think before they speak because they're told you don't need to think anymore.
1: Yeah, freedom. That freedom that they talk about, we don't need to think about it. Yeah. You can just say what you want, and that's the, I think that's that's where the problem lies. That's it. Uh, and coming back to the things that I said in the beginning, freedom of speech seems to have you know become an increasingly concept, uh, in, complex concept in modern society. Um, what you've just said from the things that we've been talking about for the past couple of minutes, when it comes to attacking others, it's easy. It's very easy, and it's it's common. It's given. It's never questioned to do so in the name of freedom of speech, and of course you will have people that will go overboard. Of course you will have people who will be, you know, patronizing, who will be abusive, who will only look at the headlines that were, um, that 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 are being created to to instigate maybe or to highlight certain things without giving the full picture. So freedom of speech of course, was created in order to facilitate true democracy. And it's an integral part of our society, no doubt about that. And it is a freedom. It is a right. It is, it is one of the privileges that we en- enjoy in this society that many countries and many societies around the world might not have. But at what cost? I think that's the question that we need to look at. And also, where and how do we get the solution to that problem? In the Holy Quran, we find many, many verses in which God Almighty states that, look, you have a right to your opinion, but that's your opinion. Another person has a right to his opinion, and that's his opinion. To impose things on each other, that's where the problem is created. When it comes to this issue, you have the issue of blasphemy as well. In today's day and age, you will find, and I could not believe my my what what I was reading just last night on on Twitter after the incidents that happened in in the United States you know I'm not going to go into that into very much detail when Samar Rushdie was attacked mm. the view that certain people have on both spectrums about what that person that individual did was it right was it wrong it's it's unbelievable that we live in a, in a world today where people are actually saying he's a hero or, you know, the complete opposite. Shall I say, shall I say the funny bit? I think, can we get Both, both sides of this argument? They've never read the book. Never read the book. Um, here with us to talk about this topic a little bit more is uh, Imam Rabib Mirza, no stranger to the Draft Time Show. sure. alaikum and welcome to the Draft Time sure Show, Imam Rabib.
2: Bowing, Mr. And the Peace be upon you, and Peace
0: be upon all the listeners. And uh, once again, uh, thank you for having me. Thank you, Imam Rabib, uh, Welcome back to Welcome back yeah. to Drive Time Show. You should be. I have. A, I still have a chair here, which has <laughs> got your name on it. <laughs> Nobody's allowed to sit on it. That's. <laughs> um, we we are talking about freedom, and and me and brother Azar. We you know we do come to an agreement that today's. Um, Definition of freedom means that there are no boundaries. Um, does d- does that mean anarchy? And if that does mean anarchy, then what's Islam's t- Islam's take on 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 anarchy? Because and and please feel free to correct me here. When we talk about freedom, there must be boundaries, surely. Uh,
2: it's a very again um, you know organic question. Uh, and it's a very important question uh to address, especially during what's you know the recent incident that's happened again uh, once again, the discussion on freedom of expression freedom of speech um has risen and just uh, I think it was one or two days ago um there was a program where this was being discussed where there was one journalist um who was for having some sort of restrictions on freedom of speech whereas another person was totally against it and said that you need freedom of speech in you know, a blanket freedom of speech there should be no restriction now the fact of the matter is that Islam is a religion that grants freedom of expression and it grants freedom of conscience it grants freedom of speech however Islam is not a religion that grants freedom of hate speech there is a fine line you are committed and you have the right to express whatever you believe uh, whatever you believe however when it falls into the realms of indecency when it falls falls into the realms of rudeness when the rhetoric becomes discourteous then Islam Says that these things should, uh, you know, not uh, be publicized or these things should be done away with. The reason is that people nowadays say that there should be a right to offend, but they have to remember that the right to offend does not mean to offend is right. And just a very simple example. In society, let's say we're walking down the street and we accidentally bump into another person. So obviously, we've understood that we've accidentally intruded that person's space. So we, we, as a sense of you know courtesy, we would apologize to that person. So this concept that you are free to do whatever you want, you are free to do whatever um, you like, you are free to say whatever you want. It cannot at the end of the day be beneficial to society in the sense that if there is such a rhetoric that is coming that is discourteous then this actually creates mischief in society. Now, of course, we condemn the attack that happened on Salman Rushdie. This is totally against Islam. Islam does not uh, condone such things. Rather, Islam condemns such things. And at the same time, we have to also remember that such rhetoric that hurts the sentiments of, you know, one fifth of the population of the world, what, can, what good can come out of that? It's always going to lead to mischief. It's going to lead to disorder. So the way that we actually, uh, you know, showed our disagreement with Mr. Rushdie was not through some violent actions, you know, it was not through bodily harm or going and burning houses and, you know, looting these areas. Not at all. That's not the way that Islam teaches to show disagreement. So, what we done was we wrote a book in response to these satanic verses. And that's the best way that Islam has given. And the reason I say this is that the Holy Quran has shed light on this factor. For example, in verse uh in chapter 6 verse 69 and verse 70 god almighty states and i quote and when thou seest those who engage in vain discourse concerning our signs then turn thou away from them until they engage in a discourse other than that it does not say to pull out a knife and start killing people it says remove yourself away from that situation and then god almighty further states and if satan calls thee to forget then sit not after recollection with the unjust people and those who are righteous are not at all accountable for them but this is the beauty here this is the you know fine lines and uh, the silver lining we could say god almighty says but their duty is to admonish them that they may fear god now the word that's being used here is zikra admonish them you know advise them if a book let's say whether it's the satanic verses or it's any other book that's been published against Islam, or any other, let's say, a book is published against any other religion for that, you know, for the sake of discussion, then Islam has fundamentally told us that you should admonish that person, advise that person, keep on advising them until they come to that realization that they have committed a mistake. At the end of the day, freedom of expression, freedom of conscience is something that Islam completely advocates for. However, it cannot advocate for such expression that leads to disorder and chaos within society. So, this is the beauty about the religion of Islam. And we are talking about freedom of expression. Now, (coughs) you were just mentioning um, about uh, blasphemy as well. Now, there's one, if we were to put the matter of maligning revered holy personages to the side just for one for one moment and let's see what the Quran says about blasphemy against God Almighty does the punishment is there any punishment first and foremost for showing blasphemy against God Almighty and if there is a punishment what is it so in chapter 18 verses 5 6 and seven, we have uh, an answer for this. God Almighty states, and that it may warn those who say, Allah has taken unto Himself a son. So, this is mentioning the concept within Christianity of the sonship of Jesus. God Almighty Father states, No knowledge have they thereof, nor had their fathers. Grievous is that, is the word that comes from their mouth. They speak not but a lie. So God Almighty has fundamentally rebutted the statement of, you know, a son being attributed to him. God Almighty has clearly said that it is a lie that it is being attributed against him. And then what is so interesting is the following verse. There's no punishment that has been mentioned for blasphemy against God Almighty. Rather... God Almighty addresses the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him in these words so happily thou wilt grieve thyself to death for sorrow after them if they believe not in this discourse now what a beautiful illustration it is mentioned here about the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him it does not say to take up the sword and start killing people it does not say to take out knives and start stabbing people rather it shows the grief the grief that the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him had and how did he express that grief he expressed it in prayer so much so that you know the expression that he sweat you know tears of of, uh, of his own sweat and blood this was the example of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him so when this concept which we consider is you know outright blasphemy against God Almighty. It's a blasphemous a concept that God Almighty has been attributed a son with him. But even then, there's no punishment of death that has been uh, commanded by God Almighty. Rather, the following verse has shown that if you desire to change the minds of people, if you desire to educate them, then first and foremost, look at the example of the Holy Prophet. And what was that? It was that he showed his grief in prayer and he expressed his sorrow before God Almighty.
0: Nothing more. Imam Rubi, we, I mean, thank you so much for that comprehensive answer there, um, covering all aspects of, of freedom of speech and expression. But in today's day and age, I mean, if one was to look at the challenges facing, I would, I would say society at large across the board the the you know the discussion me and Raza had was that freedom has got no boundaries at all, as you so rightly have 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 said yourself the, Does that mean that the- the the importance of ethics, values, and morals is diminishing? and does that mean that the belief in God Almighty is also diminishing in the name of freedom?
2: again it does seem so because I would I would say that this concept of having uh, outright freedom of expression um, we cannot fully say that it's uh, you know within society though society claims Hmm. that they do have freedom of speech however just for example There are anti-Semitic laws. There are certain prohibitions, certain boundaries that you cannot cross without being penalized or being charged. Or, I mean, I'll give a very, just to be a little bit blank uh, and straightforward. In the parliament, as we know that, there's the Speaker of the House And he's there to ensure that, you know, dignity is maintained within the House, um, and, you know, there's no words of discourtesy showed. Hmm. However, Hmm. the the question is that when certain parliamentarians say something, now one, I'll give you one example. One parliamentarian uttered the word dodgy against uh, uh, the, the then prime minister, and he was told to leave uh, the House of Commons. Now the question, simple question is, that if this is considered to be unparliamentary rhetoric, does that not infringe upon his freedom of expression? And this concept that we have, an again, outright freedom of expression, and we can say whatever we like, well it's not it's not being realized within society because then this is a double standard that's that's being shown at all levels of society. However, you know what the sad thing is that when rhetoric is used against Islam, you know at that time all the papers or most of the media coverage will say, yes you know this is freedom of expression and you're allowed to do so." Yet when it comes to another matter, there, that concept of an outright blanket freedom of expression, that goes down the drain. So the fact of the matter is that these double standards have to be addressed.
0: See, I, I find I find that interesting. You you raise the issue of the anti-Semitism, and, and, and rightly so. There should be laws protecting communities um, uh, against such abuse. But... Something I I mentioned to Raza earlier that my fear that this freedom that they that that this narrative of freedom without boundaries um, is being promoted, but it's being promoted and people are being people are cherry picking um, as to who this this narrative is is being applied to, because you mentioned and the reason I find interesting your com- the definition of of. Um, you know, this being applied in the case of anybody's being anti-Semitic and there's a law protecting them, yet in the same community, in the same society, in the same parliament, in the same country we're living in, there is no such thing that protects Muslims from Islamophobia.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you see, that's, that's the is real it? thing that, that needs to
0: See, be addressed. Re- Reza didn't know it. No. There is nothing that protects. Islamophobia is not illegal. There is no statutory... Um, oh yeah, um, well, okay so by the, law, yes. There's no the, statutory yeah, element in yeah. place which okay. says, well, like with anti-Semitism, th- there is a statutory place. That I think, I'm, I'm sure people will correct me that uh, there, there is a law that says you cannot be... Hmm. Communities are protected. And I'm sure hmm. Imam Rubib, um, will will kind of confirm that also, that when it comes to Islamophobia, it's it's um, open open uh, you know, open fire. Hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, again, I, I agree. Interestingly, um, when I was serving in the Republic of Ireland, um, I mean, you may know this as well that there was a blasphemy law hmm. within Ireland, and the blasphemy law there it protected the rights of uh, religious followers. Um, so again, it was it was something that ensured um, that the followers of religion they were protected. So if you know there are laws uh, that are made or tabled to ensure that followers of religion, whichever religion you belong to, you know their rights are protected um, and uh, their beliefs are protected then, of course, we are 100% for such laws. But obviously, if there are laws, um, you know, that will only prioritize a certain group or, you know, a certain religion, then, again, that shows that there's no harmony within society, there's no balance within society. That equilibrium has been lost within society. So, again, this is... These are those discussions um, that need to be, you know, had or yeah. they need to be uh, discussed at at a higher level that uh, what are the limitations on freedom of speech or what are the boundaries? Or if there's no boundaries, what can a person say and what...
1: What's the responsibility? Maybe not limitations it's of the boundaries, but, but what are the responsibilities that come along with Whatever kind of freedom. Okay, you both want both of free. you,
0: respective gentlemen, are imams, and I have a question for you. Isn't this supposed to be this way? Isn't humanity supposed to be kind of kind of kind of get to the worst possible denominator mm. before they start to recognize that there is going to be someone who's going to come and save them?
1: Imam
2: uh, sorry, could you repeat the question? Me? I said, isn't society
0: isn't society supposed to get to this lowest common denominator or the lowest possible level of of kind of completely destroying the notion of ethics, morals, and values and 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 becoming selfish? Isn't society supposed to go this way? Because that notion comes to mind. Well, they really have to implode before they realize that somebody's going to come and save them because surely um, this is this needs to be the state of the society um, when the that that the one everyone's waiting for is coming to isn't it
2: of course of course you see that's why i was uh, having a discussion um, with someone uh, i believe it was yesterday or the day before that you know it's so sad that with regards to certain issues Society takes the view of, uh, you know, the one polar opposite, and then it goes to one extreme, then it goes to another extreme. Mm. There's no moderation, there's no balance within society. So the fact of the matter is that Islam, which is fundamentally a religion that advocates for balance within society, Mm. it does not adopt one polar extreme or another polar extreme.
0: So it's the middle way.
2: it's the middle way. But society is adopting one polar extreme, then it goes to another polar extreme. It it has not uh, adopted that middle way. So until it adopts that middle way, of course, there will never be any peace and harmony within society. And that's why, again, coming back to the question with regards to, um, you know, blaspheming uh, against uh, God Almighty, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is that, yes, society is moving away from religion, it's moving away from a belief in God, and probably that's the reason why it justifies that now they have the authority to somehow undermine um, God Almighty, undermine the holy personages, in other words, the prophets of God Almighty, and undermine religion in itself. But what they forget is that religion is something that has come from God Almighty. And that's why if it is adhered to in its pristine and prestigious form, then you will see that equilibrium and that harmony within society. Again, you know, there are, (laughs) if I were to use the term loosely, (laughs) there are religious hooligans. Out there, right? <laughs> yeah, I, li- uh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> right? That uh, that use use religion for their own purposes, or they follow you it's know a, very. It's a
0: business, uh, isn't it?
2: Yes. Yeah. So they follow their own perverted or misconstrued ideologies uh, regarding um, Islam or any other religion. But as I as I mentioned before, that. This concept of freedom of speech is something that, yes, the Holy Prophet, peace and of Allah be upon him, advocated, but again, he actually showed that, what is freedom of speech? One one very simple example, there was a debate between um, the first Caliph, uh, Hazrat Abu Bakr, so this was during the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and of Allah be upon him. So, Hazard Abu Bakr and the Jewish person, they were debating. About which prophet is greater? So Abu Bakr would say Muhammad is greater, and the Jewish man would say Moses. So Hazrat Abu Bakr became quite infuriated with the man, and uh, in some narrations it goes that he even, uh, you know, physically slapped him as well. When the Jewish person went to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and said that this matter has happened, that Abu Bakr is saying that you are the greatest, whereas whereas I believe that Moses is the greatest. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, did not say to the Jewish man that, yes, what Abu Bakr says is correct. Of course, as Muslims, we consider the Holy Prophet to be the greatest prophet. But look at the example of the Holy Prophet, that how he cared for the sentiments of people. This This is freedom of expression and freedom of speech in its true picture, in true form. He called Abu Bakr and he said, Abu Bakr, do not give me preference over Moses. What was the reason for that? Again, it was to ensure that the sentiments of other people were catered for. Well, when I spoke about um, the concept of uh, you know, the blasphemy against God Almighty through the concept of the divinity of Jesus or the sonship of Jesus, did the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him go out and start killing the Christians? No. What did he do? A, an envoy from Najran, a Christian envoy from Najran, they came to meet the Holy Prophet in his mosque, and you know, in the narrations, there there's a whole debate that the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him had with those Christians, and he told the Christians there that Jesus has died, but we see that how he catered for them. When the time for prayer came, the Christians sought permission that they would go outside and, and offer their prayers. Even though the Holy Prophet knew that, you know, who they were praying to was not God Almighty himself, but rather the, their form of worship was to Jesus, he said, no, you can pray in my mosque. You can pray right here. That's the freedom of expression. That's the the freedom of conscience that Islam has granted, and that's been illustrated by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. It's only some, you know, these uh, mullahs that have, you know, somehow they desire to hijack the religion of Islam and they want to, you know, puppeteer it according to um, their own values and their own interpretations. But this is the true interpretation of freedom of speech and freedom of conscience. And just because of that, we see there was harmony within that society. So, the again, the question is not that Islam does not grant freedom of expression or freedom uh, of uh, you know speech. It does grant it, but it grants it to the extent that you know there should be no mischief or no disorder that comes uh, out of uh, society. And even even here just uh, another example you know uh, it's mentioned by one parliamentarian that there was once a very hot debate going on in, in parliament and uh, one parliamentarian was saying you know i have the right to say this and i have the right to say that and the speaker of the house was again trying to calm him down that you know but again he was becoming you know very excited we can say that he was saying that, "I oh, know, I can say this, this is my right, I have the right to do this, I have the right to say that." So out of his excitement or uh, <laughs> being quite energetic, you know he flung his his arm uh, with his finger outward. so the speaker of the house said to him, "Yes, you do have the right to say what you want, but your right ends where my nose begins." Because he had flung his arm, and his finger went and touched his nose. <laughs> so the fact of the matter is that when we come into contact, you know, of uh, another person's face, we should ensure that we do not harm them. You know, first and foremost, physically, but even verbally as well. <laughs> <clears throat> we know that in society, if you hurt abuse at at another person, obviously society is going to call you rude they're going to call you indecent, immoral.
1: It will yeah. have consequences.
2: Yeah. it. Everything has consequences. So this is the same consequences that are, should be applied when somebody writes a book against let's say the, the uh, Islam. And using such filthy and such disgusting language, maligning the holy personages of Islam, maligning God Almighty, making such indecent and, you know, concocting indecent and immoral stories that uh, totally fabricated and have no, um, you know, authentication within the religion of Islam. So what would you expect? What reaction does the world expect? Does the world expect that, you know, one-fifth of the population is, is going to just sit down and say, yes, you know, yeah, but, but, but that it, being it, said,
0: it's worth mentioning here that you know the book is um, derogatory towards uh, Prophet Moses, Prophet Jesus. I mean, when the Pope mm. um, read the book, he banned it in it. It was actually banned in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's d- derogatory towards any form of religious figure.
1: Yeah, but no, I, no, but that that being said, it does it, it shouldn't mean or it doesn't mean that. Uh, we're not. We're not trying to say that. Oh, it was, it was his fault, basically. No, no. But I think or Imam anyone, Rabib. Uh, I even think even Imam, Charlie Hebdo. When we talk oh, about, that. of course. That.
0: No, I think Imam Rabib said. You know, the, the response was a book was written, so you respond by writing another book. Yeah, that's how. That's what Islam teaches yeah, you. Exactly. That there, there <S laughs> are, there are ways you do things, but I, I, finally, um, I know. Look, I, I'm known for the tangents, and it is a Friday <laughs> afternoon. We've spoken about so many different aspects of the problems that uh, that that this this new definition of freedom brings but the the reason i ask um, and imam Rabib you touched on it every time society has got to the lowest possible point in over the thousands of years there's been the appearance of a prophet to correct it that isn't that the solution where we are today
2: yes absolutely so you know being That's a huge of- tangent
0: wasn't it <laughs> That yes. was a massive <laughs> tangent, but we've spoken of a problem, so I've got to give a solution, and Islam has the solutions,
2: of course. Of course. And that the solution is to, you know, come under the the banner of uh, you know the the Messiah of Muhammad,
4: you yes. know, Hazrat Mirza Abdullah Muhammad,
2: mm-hmm. and again his his duty and his foremost responsibility was to ensure that and people fulfill the rights of God and at the same time fulfilled the rights of each other. And even the way he responded uh, at his time, there were books written against the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. You know, for example, uh, there was a book, very a very filthy um, book, uh, Ranjila Rasul. And the way that Hazrat Mirza Gula responded was, again, through writing. So the fact of the matter is that Number one, he showed his own character. He showed how a Muslim should live their life. And furthermore, if there were any attacks on Islam, he responded to them through the pen. Because now the pen is mightier than the sword. So that's why the pen should be taken up, and such people should be responded. As I said, you know, <laughs> there are there are some religious against and there are some... Uh, people, you know, who again use Islam and try to uh, authenticate their actions hmm. or validate their actions that Islam has, uh, you know, given me the right to take away lives. No, it hasn't. So those people again, unfortunately, are misguided, and that's why the Holy Prophet peace and upon him also named. The one who was going to come towards the last century as the guided one the God Almighty would guide him so fundamentally if we need guidance in this day and age it's only going to be by first and foremost accepting him then acting upon his teachings which are fundamentally the pristine and prestigious teachings of Islam and what the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him thought. And currently, the world, the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, uh, is under the divine leadership of His Holiness Hazrat Masroor Ahmad, may Allah be his him. And any time such incidents occur where the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, his character has been maligned. He's, you know. Being defamed. His Holiness has taught us prayer and sending salutations upon the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is the best response. Not to take up sword, not to take someone's life, not to harm anyone, not to harm property. Rather, through prayer and perseverance, this is the way that we are going to win the heart. And this is the way that the Muslims of the first era, at the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and thereafter, that's how they won the hearts of other people. Hmm. So it was through their good conduct, through their moral conduct, and through their righteousness, through you know the fact that God Almighty could literally be seen on their faces because of the way that they worshipped God Almighty. All of these things were the things that drew people towards Islam. So that's the way that we believe that uh, there can be harmony and, and peace in the world so this is the way forward you know instead of uh, cursing each other mm. or writing derogatory things or filthy things against one another you know try to ensure that we create harmony and peace within society and that can only be done when we respect each other's feelings and respect each other's sentiments
1: Imam Rabib, it's always great to have you on Jazakumullah for your time and for, for joining us today greatly appreciate it thank you so much Assalamualaikum lastly there this reminds me um, of the story of Hazrat Umar that's right when he came to to to, to Jerusalem Julu, yeah. when, when when Jerusalem was was uh, uh, kind of um, uh, not captured but you know the Muslims they won, and he was offered to pray in that church, church. Yeah. I mean what was stopping him from 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 praying in that church? He could have prayed, but again this is this is the difference between you know common people and and, and divinely guided people, him being the caliph of the time of of that Muslim empire which had grown all the way to jerusalem and and, and even beyond. He was not thinking about that moment. He was thinking about the next generations to come. He knew that Muslims and their mentality and the way they behaved, that if he was to pray today, tomorrow, that church would be converted into a mosque. Which is what he said would happen. Which is, which is exactly what he said. And when when he was when Sophronius, he, he offered him that, you know, it's time for your prayer, pray here. And the proof of that it's, is that the place he did offer the prayer? became a
0: mosque became a mosque <laughs> <laughs> so but then you see that's where the his wisdom was was correct yeah. of not to do that because he knew that if he had prayed there they would have they would have demolished exactly. it Exactly. but he wanted to uh, keep the integrity of um of 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 the that house of god in respect of
1: christianity intact and he Because d- that's he what islam taught exactly he was the one he was the caliph of the time he that's was victorious right. that the, the city belonged to him and to the Muslims. But again, he had the freedom, he had the right, but he didn't ex- exercise the way people would have done maybe. Because he followed the, the boundaries and the
0: parameters which
1: were set by God Almighty. There we go. Now, all we can do is thank everyone for listening in today. Um, I think the lesson that we were trying to, not that, but the message that we were trying to convey here, which Imam Rabib has done, and you might have heard it this, uh, you know, a few times here and there, This freedom, every every time we talk about it, it comes with responsibilities. It's not a blank statement. It's not a blank check to go and to do and say and whatever you want. Of course, no one's going to stop you. But if we want to create a better society, if we want to live in a world that our next generation will say, you know what, good job, well done to our forefathers, then you you might have to pull out that responsibility box and and put that hat on on your head. To, to ensure that the sentiments of everyone, not just Muslims, of everyone, are kept intact. Please forgive any shortcomings please uh,
0: remember us in your prayers
1: thank you very much for joining us today we want to thank uh, first of all you out there for listening in today but we also want to thank our uh, producers and the researchers for today Hadi Hasib and Zilehuma, for doing an uh, amazing job uh, tomorrow as always uh, SML is going to be with you at 10 a.m and on w- on Sunday the weekend world team is going to join you at 10am live here on the voice of Islam. We'll be back on Monday inshallah. From all of us, have a great evening. Assalamu alaikum.